This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am back with another incredible episode of the official Caps Chirp Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And the overlying theme of today's podcast is existence is pain. We're back Probably worse than uh, we've ever been, at least in the past eight years or so. Um, talking about the Washington Capitals missing the playoffs. Uh, and if you're an OG here, you know that Mondays we're going to be talking about league news, we're talking about a week in review for the Washington Capitals. And then on Thursdays, I try to pull in an interview. I uh, don't have anything lined up right now, so you might just be stuck with me pontificating on Thursday. But, uh, you know, if not, you're welcome. I don't know. I think we should just pop some tabs because we all need a little drinky poo uh, to get through this one. So here we go. One, two, three. All right, let's start it off with a little bit of league news. The Bruins have clinched the President's Trophy, a.k.a. the Kiss of Death, uh, in the playoffs with an overtime win against the Blue Jackets last week. You know, we say that the President's Trophy is a kiss of death, but man, what a dominant Bruins team. Um, they will, or they are the, um, f- for like the fourth team in NHL history to reach 60 wins in a season, eliminating the blues from playoff contention on Sunday with that win in overtime. Uh, that's again, we, we, a couple episodes ago talked about the Bruins and how dominant they were. I wanted to stall it to not, you know, break arms, jerking them off too early. Uh, and make sure they were for real. And turns out, hey, they're fucking for real. Uh, they are really good. Fourth team in NHL history to reach 60 wins, and the season's not even over. They could be, you know, they, they have the capacity to reach, like, most wins, I think, um, in a season. Though I would say, I remember back in the day, the league only played 80 games. We've got 82 now. So a uh, little bit of a grain of salt, but in any case, a historic feat. Uh, being in a top five category of anything in the NHL. So I guess congrats to them. Uh, Looks like that Orlov and Hathaway trade paid off, at least for them. Vegas is the first team to clinch in the West. Benefits of playing in the soft division in hockey. So, you know, I wish them the worst. Philip Philip Hedl agrees to a four-year, $17.75 million contract with the Rangers. I think that's a really good deal for the Rangers, man. And it's a bit of a show-me contract too, right? Kid's young. He's, you know, going to be quite well off after this contract, even if it all goes to shit. But, you know, he's probably looking during these four years to continue to be a dominant player for the Rangers, maybe go out and win something and come back and and maybe do an eight year at, uh, you know, double the yearly rate or at least get some term. So uh, congrats to him. That's a a really good. uh, I think that's good both ways for for each side here. So interesting stuff. Uh, <clears throat> the Bru- or I'm sorry, the Penguins beat the Flyers on Sunday. And the Flyers, who can't do a goddamn thing, right? Um, you know, in that same game, they get eliminated from playoff contention. Of course, they're going to blame injuries. They had Couturier, they had Atkinson, both out for I think the whole season. Um, but they've li- they've missed the playoffs third straight season. Torts is probably pissed. Who knows how long he's going to stay uh, with the new GM and Danny Briere out there. So something to look at, at least. 
you know, the, the Philadelphia Flyers are fine where they're at, I feel like. You know, I, I don't need to see the Flyers in the playoffs ever again. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> Long gone are the days when they were actually playoff contenders, and I think that, you know, they really need to blow it up. And they're in a much worse position than the Washington Capitals, that's for sure. I will say, though, during this game, Raquel's first lucky-ass goal was totally on brand for the Penguins as they've never earned anything in their entire franchise history, and everything they have accomplished was through luck and favoritism. Anyway, the Penguins are back in the second wild card. Florida, please just get the lead out of your ass and, and save me the embarrassment of another hat trick of losses to Nick Berlansky uh, in our side bets throughout the NHL season. The bet being that the Washington Capitals would go deeper in the playoffs than the Penguins. I pick the Caps every year, and um, for the past three years, I've lost by a single fucking game. So I'd rather just negate, or past two years I've lost by a single fucking game. Uh, the la- this, list, this season, I just like to, you know, wash the bet. Just wash it out, and we can vis- revisit it next year. <laughs> uh, speaking of Florida, though, you know, we talked a little bit about them. Have you seen... Uh, uh, Paul Maurice just absolutely losing his shit on the Panthers lately behind the bench. He did during the Washington game. He's He is not a happy camper. Um, you know, talk about tough love there, but I have to say he's absolutely right. The Panthers could just get to the doorstep. I mean, they've been constantly just getting the doorstep and not cross the threshold into a championship if they don't stop fucking around. You know, they have the talent. They, they need to find that other level. And sometimes you just got to get boots to ass to get that that production out of them. Now, that didn't exactly work with the Washington Capitals, a bunch of veterans. I would I don't know if, if Florida has the same amount of veteran firepower that the Washington Capitals did when they won in 2018. But somehow you got to get buy-in. Paul Maurice was kind of brought in um, to do this, to get him over the hump. And uh, it seems like they're responding but, uh, you know, I've got a side with, with Maurice here. The, the Florida Panthers seem to be on the cups, cusp for the past, you know, three years, and they haven't been able to get it done. So let's see what happens here. Some news out of Dallas. Jason Robertson, man. I love this fucking kid. Broke Madonna's season single point record as he recorded his 94th point in the season. Madonna's record was 93. Um, you know, congrats to him. People say Patrick Kane is the best is the best American player, and you know what? They might be fucking right, but it's Patrick Kane, so fuck him. Uh, it, I think that honestly, I, I I prefer Mike Madonna, man. Uh, I think that he's one of the, the best American player probably to ever grace the NHL, and I and I uh, I love to see him uh, back in the day when Dallas was competing. Now they've got this Jason Robertson kid, and uh, you know he took a picture with Madonna. Madonna's still looking good, still looking good in his old age, but uh, or older age, I shouldn't say he's so old. Um, but you know, love to see this kind of passing the torch, and and love to see it in Jason Robertson. Kids' games, fucking elite. Too bad he's stuck in a shit town like Dallas. <clears throat> Man, guys, I am just on one today. I am, I am. The bullshit level is is for this episode is just going to be full tilt. So just fair warning, um, it's not been a great hockey week for the Washington Capitals. So you know, take that for what it is. I think that I think I'm I'm fully in the right here. Uh, Jonathan Taze, as far as injuries, may make a return suit after taking two months off to battle post COVID symptoms. 
He really sounds, it really sounds like this guy's career is coming to an end. As is the last year of his contract, um, he's not a bum by any means. He's he, When he's playing, he usually produces points. In fact, he's a sneaky, uh, and in his whole career, he's kind of a sneaky point getter, usually damn near a point a game. So absolutely elite. Uh, but he may just have to pack it in and, and live like a civilian due to his health issues. So, you know, if he were to leave, obviously it's not on his terms. So that sucks. But at the same time, uh, pretty illustrious career. So there it is, even if it was with the Blackhawks. All right, that's league news. That's all I have I want to talk about there. But, uh, you know, we've got quite a lot to talk about for the Washington Capitals. So let's uh, let's get into it in this week's Washington Wraparound. Oh, wow. I almost totally messed up the sponsorship. Too much on my bullshit. Sorry. I do have to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot and an even bigger payout. DraftKings will feature parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Sorry. Now we can get into the Washington wraparound talk some caps. Here we go. All right. Caps fans, I think last week I negated to tell you that we would have New York, the Rangers, uh, on a matinee on Sunday. So we're going to cover that one. Um just spoiler alert, the Caps did not win a single fucking game this this week, but they did get a loser point in a shootout loss against the Islanders. Um, <clears throat> little side note, Biscuit, our lovable puppy dog, is going to his forever home to be a service dog for America's Vet Dogs for Veterans. We've seen this before. It's always a sad day to see the, uh, the, the team dog go, but it's for a good cause. And we wish him the very best of luck as a service dog in his new life. All right, let's talk about the 2-1 shootout loss against the Islanders. The first period was uneventful, um, but the Caps had more shots by a decent margin. Uh, You know, I feel like in the first period, this was a very much a feeling out period. Neither team wanted to push too hard and mess up and cost their team a goal because, you know, you're playing the New York Islanders. They're not exactly a high-flying offensive team, but they are a good defensive team, and they have some solid goaltending. So if you know you get down by a couple goals, uh, you would think that the New York Islanders would be able to shut that game down and, and get the win. So I think both teams are a little timid, but the Caps definitely had the upper hand. It was probably the the last good period of fucking hockey that we'd see this month or this week. Um, Unfortunately, though, in the second, the Caps do relinquish the first goal on a muffin on net at a bad angle on Kemper and off Ingvall's stick. Darcy, you know, way too deep in the cre- in the crease and hits his hip first and, and went in. Uh, it's it's not a great goal to give up. I'm sure he wants that one back. Fortunately, though, Connor Sheary answered the bell with a nice backhander and a low shot on Sorokin. Uh, Sheary showing up a little bit down the stretch, you know, 
Connor Sherry is, is a streaky offensive player throughout his whole career. The reason that he is still an NHLer is because he works hard on the forecheck and he plays pretty defensively sound. Uh, even with his undersized uh, stature, he's able to beat you up on the forecheck, retrieve pucks, and get him to people who can score. And, you know, the bonus on and cherry on top is that sometimes he gets hot and scores for five games in a row or whatever it may be. Uh, in the second, though, so it's a tied game, the Caps do continue to put more rubber on net, which is great. You know, you kind of, against a defensive team like that, uh, it's it's important to at least get as many shots as you can. And, you know, no shot on net's a bad one, right? In the third, though, the Caps do start to look a little clapped out this period as the Islanders really took it to him. I think that the Islanders thought, hey, you know what, let's win this in Rego. Let's we've we've played our defensive game. It's a tied game. Let's go out and, and take some take a few risks. But uh, luckily, Kemper was done letting trash in and kept us in it. Uh, by the at the end of the period, Ovi destroyed Pelic, <laughs> and man, the replay of this hit, the look of anguish on Pelic's face is forever burned into my memory. At this point, it's uh it's pretty. I mean, you know, you hate to see somebody get hurt, and Pelic wasn't actually permanently hurt, or at least it hasn't come out that way. Um, it was a devastating hit, and it was really awkward, kind of back, being bent over the boards. But uh, the 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 I didn't hear the sound. I didn't hear any squealing or, or wailing. But squealing and wailing would have definitely been the sound that I would think of if looking at that image. So good hit by Ovi. In OT, in the first couple minutes, were like the entire game, both teams kind of feeling each other out, not wanting to uh, fuck it up which I totally understand. You know, the Washington Capitals here are fighting for their lives, and so are the New York Islanders. They're only in the a wild card spot. It's not like their their fate is sealed and their, their card is punched the, to the dance. So absolutely an important game for both teams. Probably more important for the New York Islanders to come out with a win than it was for the Washington Capitals. After that, <coughs> it was um, wave after wave both ways. Oshi had a one-timer chance and dangle opportunity, man. He was hungry all night, but couldn't find Twine. Kuznetsov to to Wilson was stuffed by Sorokin. An insane save and in the ensuing play, the refs called the Caps for a penalty, which was killed, and we go on to the shootout. Uh, just want to mention, poor Lane Lambert behind the bench. Man, that guy looks like he's aged 30 years taking the job from Barry Trotz. Um, you know... That's unfortunate. Hopefully he's okay. <laughs> Just commenting on that for no particular reason other than Miss you, Lane. And Trots. <clears throat> Anyways, I'll just say it. Kemper plays way too deep in his net. I think he relies a lot on his size. I don't know. You know, there's been some articles coming out about how goalies are doing the retreat tactic, which is where they push out uh, to cut down the angle and then time a little bit of a back skate into their own net. To, with the shooter's pace. Now, this has been a, a pretty successful thing. Uh, you know, lots of goalies are really kind of getting into this style here as far as coming back, you know, pushing out, eliminating the angle, and then keeping that angle uh, tight so that if there is a play across or whatever it may be, you're not caught outside or maybe you, you the shot gets through you and the shooter can pick up a rebound, whatever it may be. You don't want to be too out of position and positioning and technical positioning is such a large part of that position. So, very interesting. I don't know what the hell Kemper's been doing, but 
you know, we had Joe Antony talk come in and say like Kemper will not steal games, but he's a salt. He'll keep you in them. And to me, that felt great because we were coming off of a Samsonov Vanacek uh, pairing who you wouldn't really know what, you know, what you're going to get night in and night out. And Samsonov was just so brutal for um, letting in those leaky goals. And then you look at Vanacek, who was uh, under uh, smaller than Samsonov and had to rely on his technical ability, but wasn't a great scrambler. And, uh, you know, while he would keep us in games, it sometimes wasn't enough. And then when he went on bad streaks, it was it was an absolute dumpster fire. So, uh I don't know if Kemper's game's going to change. It's just an observation. I'm not, I'm not even suggesting that Kemper and the Lindgren, the duo, either of them are not worth the money. The Washington Capitals defense is terrible right now. I mean, let's be honest. We got rid of our second best defenseman on the team. That's going to take a hit. And we brought in a young guy. But look, Sandin is no Dmitry Orlov on the defensive side of the puck, unfortunately. So uh, just something to... Something that I've observed again, I'm not not saying that we should trade any of these people or that they suck or anything like that. It's just something that I'm seeing. Um, you know, and and then you look at the the Islanders during this game. They just do their best to like shit bum their way to wins, right? They they're not flashy. They're not super exciting to watch. They play defensively sound, um, and they just try to play that you know conventional hockey, crash the net get to rebounds, play, play the, uh, it's almost a, an older, it seems like a, I guess, a strategy. And a lot of that has to do with their personnel, right? They've got Matt Barzal. They've got a couple guys who are in supporting casts who, who are considered lead. I mean, they've still got Paul Mary. He's a little older, but, um, and, and so it's, it's a weird, uh, I mean, it's, it's a defensive team that you're going into the Islanders, and thus you, you're going to have to earn every goal, and you're going to have to make sure that you don't get dinged. I mean, the Caps did that throughout most of this game. It just wasn't enough, and unfortunately, when the when a, a team is fighting for their playoff life, you'd just love to see more out of the Washington Capitals here. Uh, it's apparently Islanders have a strong strategy. Um, you know, they're like the 2000 Devils of today. That's That's what I would liken them to. Uh, they want to slow things down. They want to make it hard for the other team to do anything. And it worked tonight. I would have loved to see Kemper steal a game here. I would have loved to see that. But I don't blame him for this loss by any means. Um, you know, the reason that I thought that he may be able to steal a game here is because the low-flying offense of the Isles. And if you look at it just on a very in – in a bubble – if he doesn't let that first leaky goal in and maybe he plays a little bit better in the shootout, maybe the Caps come out with the win here. Either way, the Caps really needed to win in regulation, and it, they, they didn't get it done. So that's beyond just Kemper here. All right, moving on. Caps go on a back-to-back to Tampa Bay. This is going to be Sonny Milano's third game out due to an illness. Um, and Kemper, again, starting in net. So here's just kind of my thoughts on that. First of all, I why? Um Second leg of a back-to-back after starting the first. Though we do learn that in today's game, Charlie Ingren wasn't feeling great. So, which is why, uh, you know, bearing the lead here, Mitchell Gibson was signed to an amateur contract, uh, amateur tryout. But I'll get to that. 
I was at, at the time was wondering why Kemper's playing a second leg of a back to back. You know, I feel like this is a decision that you make in the coaching staff for an absolutely need to win game. The Caps technically need a win, absolutely. Uh, but is that realistic playing two teams in a back to back situation, two playoff teams in a back to back situation? You know, I've been critical of people calling out management coaching about not playing young guys, but at least play Lindgren here uh, or call up to Hershey and see what he's got. The other side of that is that we don't know if Lindgren is truly healthy and turns out he may have been feeling the effects of an illness. So that may be why. Also, you kind of have to think about what's going on in the, NH- in the AHL right now in Hershey. Hershey's gearing up for for what they're hoping is going to be a deep playoff run. I believe they're second in their division. Um, They've clinched the playoffs uh, about a week ago, I think. So they're ready. And to move a young Tindy up like Fucale or any of them, and then they come and play against the high-powered offense of the Tampa Bay Lightning and get absolutely throttled, let's say (laughs) 5-1, That's going to really hurt their confidence. So I understand that the AHL team who has a playoff punch card already going to the dance would want to retain their goalie and keep him in the zone and do all of that. I don't know. None of this has been verified as to why this is um, why this played out. But I'm just this is conjecture. I'm 100 percent speculating. And I believe that it was just a mixture of all of these things. Right. You know, maybe Lindgren wasn't 100 um, percent. The Caps did technically need to have their best stuff out for this Tampa Bay game to try to secure, try to stay alive, really, just fighting for their lives in this playoff race. Um, And then you have the AHL uh, vibe that's going on down there where they're looking for a strong uh, stretch and then a good playoff run. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what would make Zach Fucale feel better? Coming back as a first-round draft pick for the Canadiens, almost washing out of pro hockey, and then winning a AHL championship, Calder Cup, or coming up to the NHL and getting absolutely throttled 5-1. I don't know. You make that call. I'll leave that up to you. All right. In the first, you know, this is this recap's going to be short for Tampa Bay. It was an absolute dumpster fire all over the ice. Uh, in the first, the Caps are outclassed. Uh, and really, they've been outclassed against any playoff team right now, and this is a great example of it. They get dumped on for two goals. Go into the second period down 2-0. They do up the odds, though, a notch, and we're a tiny bit cleaner this period, but the real one who kept us in this game throughout the second was Darcy Kemper. Again, you know, a solid 10 to even keep you in it. All that work culminated in a, in a Craig Smith goal within a few minutes uh, and, ch- and change left in the period. This would be the last goal, though, scored by Washington. And to add insult to injury, Oshie left the game and didn't come back with an upper body injury. I mean, you know, just throw him on LTIR for the rest of the season and let him rest, man. Let's see some of the call, what the call-ups have. I, TJ Oshie is, you know, Sammy Silver came out with a quote that said, yeah, you know, it's, it's I'm not going to change my game, um, said Oshie, and that instead... I'm just going to, you know, not walk for a week. <laughs> what? That's crazy, man. Unreal competitor in TJ Oshie. That's why we love him. And that translates so heavily into his game. I mean, he's always first on the puck. He knows how to work hard. And he's got that amazing uh, ability to put the puck in the back of the net and make plays. So, you know, for sure an elite player. Love the guy. 
uh, you know, American kid. But at this point, you know, coming back, I, I don't, I don't know if he's going to come back for the rest of the season, and I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. To be completely honest, honestly, I kind of want him to not come back. I want him to just start his off season, fix what he's got going. If he's got to go under the knife, do it. I hope not. Um, but rest up, heal up, take care of yourself, and then you know start the grind of the off season for uh, camp coming up next year. In the third, the floodgates open. Pat Maroon piles on another, an empty netter, uh, and then you know a highly convincing win for for the Lightning. You know Kemper was good tonight. Too much puck walking, puck, puck watching, all game, and. I'm seeing a lot of that right now with the Washington Capitals is we're watching pucks. We're too involved in, in not thinking. And I think a lot of it is everybody's kind of gripping the stick. They're a little embarrassed. They've been getting dinged up for the past three months. And at this point, they're just like not wanting to make a mistake. And that results in hesitation. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of right now, unfortunately. So not a lot of flow to the Washington Capitals games, not a lot of freedom, not a lot of movement. Um, it's kind of tough to watch, uh, especially in a defensive zone. So interesting stuff and brutal. Moving on to Sunday's matinee game against the Rangers. Another bad loss, 5-2 to two ass kicking. Turns out Lindgren was sick for this game. So, you know, a back-to-back a few days earlier – and that this may be contributing as to why Lindgren was out and and didn't didn't play in in the back to back. Also, we do get to see Sonny Milano back in the lineup, which is great. Love that guy. Um, you know, nice young fast forward uh, who can make things happen. But in in Lindgren's stead, the Washington Capitals signed a guy named Mitchell Gibson, who plays out of Harvard. He was signed to an amateur tryout and was backing up tonight or today, uh, Sunday. Sorry. We'll likely see him in Hershey. Uh, he plans to finish a degree in economics from Harvard and then pursue pro hockey. He's 23 and he played his juniors in the USHL. You know, good for him. He's a standout for Harvard. Harvard's not exactly like a powerhouse hockey club in the NCAA, but they're still, you know, they're Ivy League. They're prestigious. They've got things going for him. Obviously the education is a huge draw. So it's interesting to see that this kid's going to obviously it's, you know, finish his Harvard degree so they can tell everybody for the rest of his life that he went to Harvard, which, you know, I don't blame him. I would too. And then he's going to pursue pro hockey. I actually believe that he is going to, if, if he goes out, aces all his finals, uh, this last semester, he'll be able to go off into the sunset and play in the AHL with Hershey and then receive his degree. So a lot of big stuff happening for this young guy and uh, love to see it. So welcome to the team, Mitchell Gibson. Let's see how this amateur tryout turns out. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see you up in the big club in a few years. All right. On to the game. In the first, I mean, woof. The Caps fell, or come in asleep at the wheel and, and get dinged twice. They were bad everywhere. No offense, bad in transition coming back and getting worked in their own zone. That's the worst part is that when you – in the settled plays, when you're getting worked in your own zone and elite teams like the Rangers can really just kind of dance around you, pass around you, and and, uh, and score goals at will, it seems, um, is just always a bad thing to be witnessing. The first goal was a backhand from Keandre Miller that admittedly was handled poorly by Kemper, 
though I can't put this completely on him because the guy who ended up scoring the goal was breaking to the net and nobody picked him up. Anthony Mantha was right there. Just a fucking stick lift, bud. A stride and a stick lift. Maybe a shoulder. A shoulder to shoulder bump. You know, something like that. Um, it just a, a good low rebound shot from Keandre Miller, who I like. I like Keandre Miller a lot. I was hoping the Washington Capitals would get a shot at him but he when he was drafted, but he was drafted too early. Um, so... That's the first one. I mean, it was just a dunk play um, and a nice, you know, juicy rebound that was given up by our goalie and, and no one to help support the tender. So uh, we deserve that one. The second goal was a dangle from one on one from Lafreniere on Sandine for a nice backhand berry. Um, you know, Sandine goes for the sweep check. He's the gap control was poor for Sandine. He was not in good position to be making a lunging sweep check. Uh, or poke check even throws the check and um, Lafreniere just <laughs> through the legs dangle backhand in on Kemper um, beats him far side a really nice goal um, from that kid line you know Lafreniere is a fucking third liner for the for the New York Rangers so talk about matchup flexibility for the Rangers going into the playoffs they absolutely have it um, that kid line is what they call it with Capo, Lafreniere, and I forget, I think it's Heedle, uh, the third one. Yeah. So crazy stuff from the Rangers there, undressing Sandine and then putting it in on Kemper. Uh, you know, at this point in the first, I'm like, fuck it, throw Mitchell Gibson in and let's just see what happens. But it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> and you know, who knows, uh, <laughs> what that would have looked like, but I'm sure it wouldn't have been much worse than what it was now, uh, what we actually got to witness. In the second, the bad news didn't stop as the kid line again uh, for the Rangers stays hot in the four check and they find Capo Caco in front for a shot that goes in off Favriari's foot. You know, if we didn't have bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. Favriari does not cover his man, lifts the stick too late, and the shot's already away and bounces in off his foot. Um, the John Carlson was with him on that defensive pairing. Uh, Johnny let him slip just a little bit. And with talent like that, all you need is a small window. And he puts it through. Um, <clears throat> I believe it was Lafreniere. Or um, I think it was Heedle that, that dished the puck to him. But a decent forechecking play. A good grind, t- a grind line for the Rangers again makes the Capitals pay. The Caps do, though, show life in the second as Dylan Strome scored a sneaky goal going short side from behind the goal line and banked it off Shesterkin. Uh, Ovi was doing a little cherry picking as the Caps spring the zone. He stops up, waits for a little bit of a just a tap pass to Dylan Strome. He's got a head full of steam, just takes it far and wide and gets behind the goal line and sneaks it in on Shesterkin, who is, uh, you know, looking to cheat a little bit off his post to go post to post for a wraparound. But uh, Stromer, just being the lefty that he is, just kind of banks it in uh, and right into the net. So good for him. Dylan Strom, career high year. You know, a lot of shitty things happening this season, Caps fans. But we do have Dylan Strom reaching career highs here. We've got Nick Dowd reaching career highs here. You know, uh, it's not all it's not all trash. Just majority trash. <laughs> In the third, about five minutes in, 
The Caps do show some jam to crash the net, and Ovi almost had number 823, but the New York Rangers were equal to task and cleared the puck so that moments later, Vladimir Tarasenko could unload a fucking laser over Kemper's glove hand that went crossbar and in. I mean, what a shot here. Had all time and day to take a look at the net and, and let it go. Uh, on this play, Sandine was so far out of the play, trying to ma- trying to attack the puck carrier, who was Trocek. Um, and, and for him, for Sandine, you know, it was a lose-lose situation on whatever decision he made. There were guys back-checking Trocek, and there was just a small gap to get that pass through. Typically, when you're coming back on a play like that, the guy skating backwards, if your defenseman's kind of back-checking, your defensive partner's back-checking, the guy skating backwards, who's in good position, attacks the puck, and the guy back-checking tries to cut down the pass. This was a weird situation. This play developed right at the blue line, and it happened fast. But Trocek, you know, made it, give it to him, made a really nice pass, right tape to tape, perfect pace, to Tarasenko, who literally just had all time and day to load up a incredible wrister that, you know, just step right into it, you know, one puck handle and then just lean it in on that stick. And you let a guy like Tarasenko have all that time and space and he's going to make you pay. And that he did. Um, absolute snipe though. What a shot. Finally, with about eight minutes left, Alexei Protas finally gets off the schneid and gets one, gets a goal after over 30 games being scoreless and an effortful four-man net crash that finally beats Shesterkin for the second time. You know, I love this gritty play down 4-1, to one, right? I mean, you're crashing the net. You've got Backstrom taking it in. Sandine's in the mix. Uh, you know, guys are, guys are fighting for a, a loose puck in front. The goalie's down and out. They know it. He's, he's scrambling, and then finally Protus gets the, you know, bouncing puck finds Protus, and he, he puts it in. Love to see the young guy get rewarded for that jam. Love to see the jam of the that team of the Washington Capitals getting in there late in the game. Just odd stacked against them. There's really nothing to play for again in the season. They know it, but they're still trying. And that is just that is a tough goal. Nobody wants to like go in there and get the the shit beat out of you uh, trying to jam in uh, a puck in that fashion. So love to see it. Glad to see it. <clears throat> Finally, with about eight minutes left, Alexi Protoss... Oh, I'm sorry. The goal got the Caps going, but with under five minutes left, a Rangers power play saw Kane collect his rebound for from a one-timer and dish it over to Caps killer Mika Zibanejad, who made no mistake. And that was a 5-2 win for the for the Rangers. They, they are good. They are primed to make a deep run in the playoffs. Another thing, though. Before the game ended, Alex Ovechkin on Goudreau just... He lost his shit, started cross-checking, started hacking him. Um, didn't like a play down the ice where Goudreau kind of got a little high on on Ovi and made him fall. And obviously frustration boiled over. Um, Ovi, you know, gets in there and starts hacking him, takes the two-minute, and then he must have motherfucked the ref up and down because then he got a 10-minute misconduct as he wouldn't go to the box and was continuing to jaw at both Goudreau and everybody else. After that, Tom Wilson comes in, um, Faviari as well, and both of them drop the gloves. There were two fights. You know what? Frustration and, and hockey are hand-in-hand. Hand. It's a really hard sport. What I, I, I personally, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be people who are like, oh, you're just being bad sports and, and you're giving it up. I don't give a fuck. 
I love to see that. I love to see that the, you know, it shows that the guys still care. They're uber frustrated. This has not been a good season for them. They understand it. But you know what? They're not going to go out here and just get dumped on um, and, and, uh, and, you know, whatever it may be in a 5-2 loss that the Rangers are going to have to pay for it a little bit in the physicality department. They're going to have to fucking fight. I, I, I like it. You know what? I do not mind that this happened. I'm actually happy about it. I think that it showed a lot of, um, you know, showed the frustration of the team, but it also showed a lot of gumption and just like, you know, we've had enough time to go, you know, it, what's better watching them just kind of sulk off the ice with their heads down (laughs) or punching a few guys in the face and then leaving. I know that sounds, sounds quite sophomoric if you will. But look, man, I watch hockey for entertainment and and I play hockey for entertainment. I don't go out there on some highfalutin uh, moral high ground. That's for sure. So I liked it. I think that the Washington Capitals probably needed a little bit more of that and hopefully returned back to that style, uh, you know, just a little bit. Nothing stupid, but, you know, you're getting your ass beat. You're getting embarrassed. Go down swinging. <clears throat> so here's my take on on the week. You know, the Caps were bad. They did not play well. Though I don't believe it was lack of trying. Okay, so a lot of times you're going to see motherfuckers out there who think they know hockey talk about effort level and just, oh, they just need to try harder or try harder. You know, pre-2018, how many times did we just hear, oh, the effort's not there. You know, ultimately, you're right. The onus is on the players to win the games. Coaches can't go out there. Trainers can't go out there. The skate sharpening stick boys, they can't go out there um, and win the fucking games for you. So the onus is on the players, and they understand that. But to think that, you know, an NHL player is not trying is a little overblown, right? I mean, there's maybe a handful of guys that you could say that about, like Phil Kessel. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know, Locker during the game referenced, you know, a lot. Of, well, during the home game, that the boys are professionals. You know, I'm not sure normal slobs like us realize that when you get to that level, like good enough for mailing it in in most times, just it doesn't cut it to keep your job. And that attitude won't get you even near close to a fucking championship. I've only ever once heard personally of a player talking about, you know, what we would consider mailing it in. And even then he didn't fully come out and say that he was not trying. He instead said that something along the lines of like, you know, we played a shit game in LA. The boys were out of it. Um, They're already thinking about summer and things like that. Uh, But we were trying to get our coach fired. So, you know, take that for with, with a, a little bit, in in the caps case here uh when it comes to laviolette but and i'm you know nothing to read into there you know i'll let you let you (laughs) draw your own conclusions um but uh the the quote goes on to say like nothing against the coach he wasn't a bad guy the guys he just lost the room and he'd he'd seen and the code the players see the, the writing on the wall that he was probably out here's another detail that you need to know about who said this quote Uh, It was Sean Avery. So take that for what it's worth. Um, That poorly remembered quote is from his book uh, and honestly wasn't worth looking up for me. But as far as the book goes, it's not a terrible read. Check it out if you want. Sean Avery and about his career and everything. And, and, uh, you know, avoid, uh, unless you like Sean Avery's voice, 
avoid the book on tape because it is narrated by him. But um, so, <laughs> or the, the audio book, I should say. Well, I'm probably dating myself with that little statement. Anyways, <clears throat> so I don't think that the Caps are not trying. I, I don't think that they don't care. I just think that, you know, bring it back to my original point. It's good to see that the Caps aren't giving up, even with the outlook beyond dire. Management gave up on this season at the trade deadline. We got to face this, guys. They traded away your second best defenseman, um, one of our best depth goal scorers and agitator in Garnet Hathaway. We traded our third line center. We traded our like third and four or third best defenseman in Gustafson, fourth best. You know, one of our our with John Carlson out, our number one point producer uh, on the blue line. Um, we shipped out Marcus Johansson. You know, I mean, huge pieces of this team are gone. If you look at pre pre deadline, um, lots of goal scorers, lots of points getters, lots of defensively responsible people, um, core players. You know, Orlov was a core player. Lars Eller, core player. Marcus Johansson, second stint in DC. I was surprised that Brian McClellan let him go. Um, you know. Caps were 100% sellers when it came down to the trade deadline. And they got what they wanted. They got the picks that they wanted, whatever it may be. You know, they got stock. The problem is, is that they lost the here and now, the performance today, in pretty large chunks. You know, I think that the Caps are showing a lot of pride and character here. And, and I like that. And I respect the hell out of these millionaire athletes uh, for it. You know, friend of the pod, Carl Isner on the post game was open about saying that the guys know it's probably over this point. And, you know, they're making summer plans, but that's a far cry from from simply not trying in the same sense that you and I would fucking do at our jobs. Right. You know, mailing it in for a day, mailing it in for a week, month, whatever you guys do. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, if you watch the post games, I think players had the interviews, especially players had somewhat critical things to say. But hockey's a cruel bitch, man. You know, they were disappointed in searching for answers, especially Nick Jensen, who was like, you know, you should be coming to the bench, like barely able to breathe and, you know, effort level and yada, yada, yada. And, and you know, I think a lot of that is is kind of, you know, just the boilerplate stuff that you got to say. Um, and dude's an emotional guy right after a loss like that. It's it's tough. You know, of course, I could have tried harder. Here. I could have tried harder here. Maybe. I don't know what happened. You know, you search for it internally for sure as a player to, to try to get better. Um, <clears throat> you know, and they were, they, they absolutely, you know, it's a dog fucking loss. So I'm not taking it beyond that face value is, as, as Carl Zner said, you know, just that's face value. Guys are emotional, frustrated, obviously. Um, and that sucks. And trying to search for answers 30 seconds, 30 minutes after a game that you just got shelled in probably not the best time to be asking that question. Um, for any anything real you know i know that a lot of outlets have, have made a big deal of this on the internet but i'm not i do think this team cares about winning you know how could they not they put an incredibly lucrative career every single one of those guys in that locker room is putting to put together an incredibly lucrative career together where they've predicated it upon being able to execute the exact concept of winning right so it's not like they don't care about winning or whatever it may be you know people might say like oh well you can't worry about winning and that's true but that's not the same thing as not caring about winning you know 
uh, people need to understand that multiple concepts and can be true and right and can also exist at the same time. Um, you know, in that same vein, though, for the younger players that we've got, you know, in Sandine and Strom and Milano, maybe they're realizing, fuck, I skated my fucking bag off and tried hard as shit and it's not getting done. You know, what do I need to change? Right. You know, the adage of you learn more from failure than than anything else. Um, you know, I'm sure lots of of fans are going to want to see young guys up in the last six games, five games, four games. But I don't ultimately see a huge value in this. <clears throat> okay. Management waves the white flag on the season, the trade deadline, the caps still have life though. And up until like the last few, you know, couple weeks, it's kind of been hit or miss. You know, there was still hope. Uh, I think now all hope is dashed, uh, officially gone. Um, it's officially existence's pain, uh, in, in ways that we haven't felt in about eight years, but you know, Pulling up these guys for a game or two or whatever it may be is just going to be like a ball tickler for them. You know, management isn't going to be taking notes on their performance unless one of them scores like 10 goals in a game, right? You know, let's say they kill kill it in the few games they have left in the season ends and then what? What? Your balls are tickled. You have motivation to go and have a great offseason and come back. Yes, that's true. But is that really like going to move the needle a ton? Maybe, maybe not. What if they have terrible games? What if they absolutely shit the bed? And now they have an offseason filled with fucking doubt. Um, and they have to live up to unex- – or, or, or they kill it and then they have to live up to unexpect- un- un- unrealistic expectations moving forward. <clears throat> you know, to them it seems unfair but more importantly unrealistic. So, you know – I don't want him to get cocky down there in, in the A. And and while it would be a good time to see guys, and you still may see that, you have to remember that they're chasing a Calder Cup right now in Hershey. Who is the affiliate? They have their, they do have pull. They can say, like, hey man, like, come on, we're your team's out of it. Like, can we at least get a run here together? Um and with the caps being completely out of it, it would not surprise me to see less of the young guys than you thought you would. Um it, especially because Hershey's in a run. So, and then I don't think Hershey's run is going to end before the, the cap season ends either. So that's uh you know, it's another odd territory that we're in. So that's my, <laughs> that's the hockey troll caps chirp synopsis of what has been going on. You know, there are some structural problems in the system. I think as far as how we're playing the game, <clears throat> we're puck watching way too much. We're overloading, like I've talked about in the past couple of weeks, with no ability to recover. So really kind of throwing a lot into one type of play. And then, unfortunately, the overload through the defensive neutral zone happens. And then we don't support the puck very well going into the zone. We hardly penetrate the middle. We're always taking it wide. And then we're praying, hope and praying for a centering pass. So it's not been great on, on the gameplay. I think the Caps need to get out of the season healthy. They need to regroup in the offseason, and then all eyes are going to be on Brian McClellan to work his magic. For me, personally, and for you Caps fans who've been following the team anywhere between the last 10, 15, 5 years, right? Uh, This is uncharted territory. So in that sense, one, 
you get to watch the playoffs stress-free. Two, you get to be excited for an offseason. When was the last time you were excited to see what happened and, and, and have that drama play out? You know, every year, obviously, the Caps fans are like, well, we need to just pull in Steven Stamkos or some fucking highfalutin, ridiculous, unattainable, unattainable thing. But right now, you have to think about it. The Washington Capitals are just trying to load up on the blue line. I think, you know, there's been a lot of buzz about what forward we're going to bring in. I do agree that they need help up front. You know, the Nicholas Backstrom contract is is looking somewhat bad right now. I'm not ready to call it quits on him. I think that he needs at least another half season to get it back. He's going to have an off season to rehab, and then he's going to be able to start on on opening day or, or first game of the season, and so let's see what he's got. I'm not out on Nicholas Backstrom. I understand that the chips and, and odds and the optics of everything are 100% against him. He hasn't been playing great. Um, I think that management is probably talking about retirement or at least trying to plant those seeds. But you know what? If Nicholas Backstrom wants to shit it up and play fourth line minutes for the rest of his career, he is absolutely entitled to do so in my eyes. Uh, you know, sports... While as many nerds out there want to like take some sort of logical, science-backed approach to sports, this is an entertainment business, and people, you know, get emotional and and uh, you know get on the member berries about this stuff, right? So I am one hundred percent going to be nostalgic about it, and nostalgia is incredibly important. And if Nick Backstrom wants to play the rest of his career at $9.2 million a fucking year, I don't care. Open the fucking purse strings. The cap's going up anyways. You know, give your nuts a tug. We're saving a lot of, we're going to save a lot of money with the people who are going to be probably let go off into the sunset. There are going to be holes to fill. We're going to see young guys up in the lineup. We're going to be forced to. But Brian McClellan has to solidify the blue line. I think that we could use like an Orlov-esque player in a fully healthy blue line environment on the blue and then a and then fill in with like an Alexiev or a young guy. And then I think that we could use a real star on the top six. And they made it clear that's what they're gonna go after, a top six forward. And they need it. So maybe a winger, maybe a center. You know, I don't think we're gonna be able to buy out or I don't think we're gonna buy out Nick Backstrom. I don't think we're gonna move Nick Backstrom. I, and honestly, I would hate to see a buyout of, of Nick Backstrom's contract. So what I'm thinking is uh, the Washington Capitals have a ton of possibilities here. Who knows how the draft goes, man, too. And that's another thing. We're interested in the draft. You should be. We're going to be picking pretty high. We're going to be getting, some, uh, hopefully, a pretty good player and what could be the most stacked draft since McDavid entered the league, right? So keep that in mind. Fantasy, absolute fantasy dream scenario is we get Connor Bedard and then have all this fucking cap space to come out and do whatever the hell we're going to do with it. We don't know what's going to happen with the coaching situation. There are just so many variables and so many things to be following in the offseason captions that we have a lot of things to look forward to on the news and excitement level. So it's interesting territory. I love the team. I'm going to follow them either way. So, you know. Not to be one of those like power of positive thought people, but instead of the humdrum, uh, what depth player are we going to add in the offseason and get to cap 
and then go for a push that we're automatically going to get into the playoffs. Now it's going to be like, holy shit, we just got hit in the mouth. We really need to make some pretty massive changes around our core. What can you, genius Brian McClellan, who's had a pretty good track record so far, he's not been perfect, you know, a la Siegenthaler, you know, I think Siegenthaler is the biggest one, but, you know, he's shipped away a couple things that we, we could have used, right? Steven Chandler, you know, you, you want to talk about Verona and Berkey, but, you know, I think they're in better places and needed that. Uh, and then, you know, there's the goaltending tandem as well. You know, splitting those two guys up, I think, was necessary. Losing them both and letting Samsonov walk off in a free agency sucks, but that's the nature of the business sometimes. Um, so, exciting offseason, stress-free playoffs, Caps fans, enjoy your summer. I'll be covering the Caps for until, you know, probably through the playoffs and everything else. So, I'll be here with you, and we'll talk all about it. But, you know, it's no reason to jump off a bridge or anything. In fact, you should be looking at it as kind of a fun time for the Washington Capitals and being a fan. Uh, losing sucks, but at the same time, if promises hold true, the Washington Capitals should be punching a card to or a ticket to the dance of the NHL playoffs next season. And that's about it. Thanks for joining, Caps fans. Tune in on Thursday, and uh, I'll be back at it in one way, shape, or form. Have a great week. See you then. Hockey Troll, signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network, at Hockey Podnet on social, and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com, the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.